We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. This is a special edition of the Road of His OT podcast. We have done a number of drafts over the last couple of weeks and people have had a lot of positive feedback for those. So we are doing another live draft. This one though is in the high stakes format. The other drafts, relatively high stakes, I guess we'll say, but this one in the FFPC main event is $1,900 buy-in the top prize is five hundred thousand dollars there's 3.9 million in total prizes so hopefully we will do enough in our draft here to be able to take home some of that prize money come the end of the season so it's going to be a fun one we are drafting from the nine spot and of course i'm drafting along with my co-host here sean siegel it's going to be a fun one as we run through that just before we start on the draft i want to mention the zero rb list obviously a lot of people look forward to it every year it is must read sean has been dropping part one two and three over the last couple of days if you haven't checked it out yet i would head on over immediately even when you're listening to this you can listen to it you can read the piece at the same time uh, it is up on rotaviz.com and uh, i would recommend doing so if you aren't signed up to rotaviz.com it is the perfect time to do it ahead of the new season you can do so using the code rv radio 2021 and save yourself 10 percent of a listener's discount that'll get you access to all of the content and tools up there as well but sean drafting from the nine spot it's going to be a lot of fun really looking forward to this one i think that we'll probably be aiming towards you know that uh, elite wide receiver or possibly um mixing in darn waller at that point so at the wide receivers we'll be looking at Devonte adams um tyreek hill Diggs as well would be in the mix there um, they're probably the options or of course um maybe we we lean into uh, in the second round potentially a falling jonathan taylor or saquon barkley definitely the receivers there are going to be the value we have a difficult choice if all of those guys and waller are still available waller has been the player we've often gone with in round one and in many cases, the tight end that we've gone with really in the middle of the round, I expect him to still be available at our pick. And yet, because TJ Hawkinson could be an option for us in round three, because George Kittle could be an option for us in round two, we actually have some different ways we could go with that. You look at Tyree Kill, the situation that he has, the way that he could be the overall wide receiver one, and not just wide receiver one, wide receiver one with a gap this season, I think he sets up nicely for... Uh, giving us a lot of options as the draft develops. 
Uh, we've gotten into a situation now where Barkley is practicing a little bit. Taylor and the sort of peripheral elements with him, the quarterback, the offensive line, those positions are getting a little bit healthier again. Uh, there is some concern, obviously, that you would lose him in the championship game for the regular season league uh, with the week 14 bye. But those guys are kind of solidifying at the one-two turn. At the nine spot, they may not get back around to us, but we do have a lot of options. So uh, we've been taking Darren Waller a lot in this situation. I'm hoping based on where we are that we'll have a shot at TJ Hawkinson in round three. I might be leaning toward Tyreek Hill for our first round pick here. What are your thoughts knowing that like the 3-4 area also makes a big difference in terms of what we do? Uh, one of the tricky elements of this is that in round three, going away from sort of our wide receiver build, DeAndre Swift with the groin injury and the rhetoric around that likely to be there. TJ Hawkinson, a target. We really have two non-wide receivers we really like at that point. Yeah, I like um, both of those guys. Obviously the groin injury, a bit of a concern, but we will see what happens. The The reports that might have been kind of, they have been concerning that it seems that it's not just like a little, you know, let's rest them. It seems to be a little bit maybe more serious than that. But um, I, I like Hawkinson. Um, my, my question was always going to be a lot of our drafts were, we're trying to get, say, a third wide receiver in the third round. But I find that once you go past kind of team six or team seven, a lot of the guys that we like there um, are gone. You know, the end of that tier tends to be for us kind of the Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen range, and they tend to be gone. So depending on how the draft goes, I would expect them to be gone. But if we get a, a more running back heavy start, they might be there. So that would be where the decision then would come down to myself between the likes of... Um, the likes of Hawkinson versus one of those wide receivers in the third there. If we get Waller, if Waller did happen to fall to spot nine, I've seen that once or twice so far. Um, would we take Waller there and then look to go for a wide receiver in the third? Can you just flip the flip the options? Well, I think if we go Waller, I would really want to go Swift. I'd, I'd like to get a little bit more running back exposure than we got in our last draft. I love the last draft. I think it is a lot of fun. Uh, just so kind of want to we, want, we want to get more than 0% exposure than two running backs. <laughs> more than zero. Well, no, I mean, that's that's our philosophy of zero. So we don't want more than zero necessarily. But if it works out, uh, we wouldn't mind having that. As Swift as somebody, I think, is going to be a first-round pick next year. There, there was the talk about the groin. It was kind of funny. I'm reading through the different reporting on that, and I haven't seen – a lot of things, although, you know, I, I tend to get more stuff through reports than through Twitter, for example. So maybe this has been switched around. However, the people following the team are like, okay, well, you know, head coach says this could be a little bit of an issue. The very next day, Swift back at practice looking good. You know, you're back at practice looking good. You've got two weeks till the season starts. I don't think this is a huge deal. Now, anytime you have these soft tissue injuries, uh, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, number one, it could be frustrating throughout the season. Number two, you could lose a big chunk of game. So it's not like it's nothing. But it seems like this idea that he might not be ready for week one is a little uh, sort of over overhyped, a little more drama there than actual substance. And I mean, Swift should be going mid-second at the latest. Round late round three is just a complete and total gift. And so a little bit of exposure there would be nice. That that's also, like you mentioned, it's a tricky spot for receivers. Now, Chris Godwin's someone I would like to get some exposure to with that Thursday night game. Buccaneers, Cowboys, anybody we draft today who has a monster game we can put in. Now, uh, someone you're drafting in the third, fourth round, you're planning to play anyway. But one of the nice things about having a lot of receivers is that if we have someone who we know didn't go off, 
in week one, then we're not stuck with that those points, right? We'll have a lot of other options. And so we have a little bit of flexibility there. That Buccaneers-Cowboys game, something we want to be thinking about too in the rounds like 9, 10, 11 range with Ronald Jones, Tony Pollard, uh, Gio Bernard. Yeah, and they're definitely guys that we're usually targeting. So uh, I'm all aboard with that as well. Just out of interest, Sean, with the format here and the, the way the playoffs and things are going to work out, any concerns around those bye weeks, um, things like that for the playoffs? In terms of Taylor, are we are we looking at? So we we have we have the playoffs in week thirteen and fourteen. So thir- week thirteen as well. So in week thirteen, uh, we have like the likes of the Panthers as well. Right, and your Green Bay Packers. And so we're we're looking at some guys in that first round that are probably a little bit less appealing. I think if we get to a point with the ninth pick where it's Adams versus Hill, that that swings it to Hill. Probably. I, I think that kind of how the Chiefs have rebuilt, they've got the offensive line there. They just failed in their attempts to really get a solid third receiver. Now, there's been a lot of buzz for Hardman. I think that actually works extremely well for both Hill and Kelsey because you've got this shot guy who's going to make the offense more explosive. Still pretty hard to see Hardman having a big role. And so, you know, if we have someone who has kind of the 2019 Michael Thomas season, the 2020 Devontae Adams season, which if Adams so I'll go ahead and turn off my sound here so that doesn't cause us problems during the show. If we have somebody who does the 2019 Michael Thomas season, the 2020 Devontae Adams season, which would have been uh, even more notable if he hadn't missed a few games, I think it's going to be Hill this year. And so, yeah, I think that 13-14, it does come into play because we do want to be set up with these top picks to – to win the title. I mean, I, I think this team is going to be good enough. The structure is going to be strong enough. We're going to be in position. You know, we do want to win there. The question, Adams in round one, I think is probably a stay away. We've got some similar options. You wrap back around, if Jonathan Taylor makes it to us with the fourth pick in round two, and we kind of have him as a top five guy, then that's where it gets interesting. And so, you know, as we kind of move through the first three or four picks here, Colin, where are you on Jonathan Taylor? So uh, I think if we get an option in the second round, I think it'll be an interesting one to select. I do agree with you in terms of the situation with, uh, say, like if it's Devontae Adams versus Hell or Diggs, I think we do a tiebreaker there for um, f- for the player not on the bye week in the playoffs. So we're going to have some interesting selections to make, um, not against Taylor, obviously, the news has been very positive in the last week or so around the Colts and their injury situation, Carson Wentz and so on. Um, the other player, we mentioned this in one of the recent podcasts, Saquon Barkley, seems to be continuously kind of hitting the targets that uh, the Giants have for him. So he could be somebody interesting as well, but we may also see that cause them to move up the draft boards higher than they have been uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, one of our drafts, Sean, uh, probably about a month ago now, I think we started it with um, uh, both of those guys so I think we, we have some interesting options um, let's see how it plays out we're four picks in as the, the clock ticks by uh, so far it's gone as you would expect McCaffrey Kelsey Cook Kamara we'll see who falls but I did touch on it earlier Sean we'll see if it he comes off the board uh, probably soon enough but um, if Waller is there are we are we going tight end or are we looking to really pin on the wide receiver here I think I would like to wait because we have the situation where we could take George Kittle wrapping back around. We have the really good shot here at 
TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Colin, we put together a special board for this draft. And just looking over the last couple of days, Hawkinson has been going in early round four. And so, you know, we're likely to have a shot at him in round three. If we want to take Swift in round three, we're likely, I mean, you know, 30, 40% chance to have a shot at him even in round four. What are your thoughts here on the second pick? It might inform a little bit what we do with the first one. We, yeah, so we are we are we are on the clock obviously so we'll, we'll make it quick with 45 seconds to go uh for the listeners everyone that we kind of wanted to have an option is there i i think i like your your option to go and get um the the tight end and the the third fourth kind of round range and we still will have fant and thomas and those kind of guys if we do miss out so i think uh hell is probably the target here either hell or Diggs. happy to go with either of those um and it sounds like hell is your preference of the two yeah, let's go with Hill and see kind of where we come back on the receivers. So we yeah, do that. With, go ahead. With Hill going there, um, that gave us a, a real situation where we had all the options that we kind of wanted to have. I wasn't expecting to have quite as many options, but that also leads to hopefully positive news over the next six picks before it gets back to us. We'd be hoping to have an option off the likes of um, Ad, well, Adams has just gone off the board but maybe a digs. Uh, the other player, Sean, that I would have been the mix in the second round would be Ridley and Justin Jefferson. Maybe even the DK Metcalf might uh, appear in there. But the other option that we mentioned already is Barkley or Taylor. So let's just say, well, let's not say because Diggs has just gone off the board. But at the moment, then we're down to kind of a, a 2v2 situation. And that I would expect that some of these running backs move here in the next couple of picks. So we still have Waller who hasn't gone off the board um, and we're at the back end of the first round. So we would have the options of Waller, Barkley, Taylor, Ridley or Jefferson and then George Kittle would potentially be another option. How do you feel about the running backs for us? Because we've done a lot of talk about the wide receivers this, this offseason. We kind of know how we feel about them. But in this format, how do you feel about uh, Barkley and Taylor? And I, I would give the edge to Barkley again because of the bye weeks. But um, what's your thoughts on those two guys? Because of the bye weeks and because of the massive receiving upside, they've really been struggling to get Tony involved. Kenny Galladay has been a disaster for them, hasn't been able to practice. And so they're kind of back in this situation where, you know, Sterling Shepard uh, is looking like the guy. And that's never really where you want to be at this point. I think with the upside that he has as the season develops, you know, you would, you would have to go his direction. Well, when we look at these receivers, so A.J. Brown, I think, would also be an option, but he has the week 13 by. We're looking at Ridley, looking at Justin Jefferson. Jefferson has a, that sort of frustrating week seven by, where if we start to take week seven guys right off the bat, then it gets very, very crowded there as we go along. George Kittle with the week six by would leave us open to take DeAndre Swift in round three and i know that we're a little bit concerned about the traffic jam of targets there and what will happen with trey lance but lance is a very good uh, our buddies at ship chasing especially pat kareen uh, is pushing us to take kittle anytime that sort of falls and it fits into the build there what are you thinking in terms of jefferson versus ridley versus kittle if those are the guys that we're looking at yeah, my, my favorite out of those would be to go with Ridley um, in terms of, of getting the second wide receiver. Um, I don't mind going for Justin Jefferson. We joked on this in a recent draft that if I go for a wide receiver in round two with a week seven or a week nine by the guy I get in round three has the, 
the same buy, but we've mentioned that we're looking to, to go an alternative way. As I say, that Ridley has gone off the board. So uh, in the meantime, Barkley also went off the board and Jonathan Taylor has gone off the board. So that leaves us with the option of Jefferson, Kittle or Metcalf. I'm happy with any of these guys. It just depends if I would probably lean towards wide receiver to give us the option to, to go for Hawkinson a little bit later, unless you want to take Kittle at this point. Yeah, so let's keep that option open. Uh, Justin Jefferson, just with massive upside this season. One of the concerns that I have is that his quarterback could miss a bunch of games because, and so, you know, we're we're looking at that as perhaps a complicating element, but Jefferson really the monster here. And that gives us a lot of opportunity to build out of that as we go through we can still have those guys round three, round four, balance out the other uh, elements of the build. And Colin, that's not how we were hoping to have it fit there to lose out on Barkley, Ridley, and Taylor right before our pick is a little bit of a disappointment. But when you're talking about a disappointment of having Justin Jefferson on your team in round two, that's uh, a very good scenario. Yeah, it's not a bad fallback to have. Uh, in terms of like, you know what most of our drafts are going to start off like they're probably going to start off this particular way and i do think that it probably mixes a little bit uh, like closer to the the build we talked about originally with um swift f f it was gonna be tough for me on the taylor one again with the bye week it wouldn't have put me completely off him but i was hoping that barkley was the one that we would have got uh, and landed there the second option i would have hoped then was for ridley but obviously they went but but jefferson is obviously somebody we expect to have a, a massive season had the breakout as a rookie can have if he takes any sort of a step forward um as a second year player it's going to be insane but if we can even get him to uh maintain what he did last year we're going to be in a, a good spot so we've quite a bit to go obviously um to get back to our picks we have time to think through our options and our selections but i do think the interesting thing now is is if we have the option of both of the guys we've talked about in swift and in hawkinson obviously both with the lions um are are you happy to take both of them if both of those guys were there or are we concerned that then we would be too overloaded on the, the Detroit Lions in that offense. I would be okay with that. I think that those are going to be the two guys who really drive that offense. I think the volume upside for them is just so far through the ceiling that they're both potential league winners. It also gives us a little bit of a hedge and that you know you don't necessarily want your picks in round three, round four to not work out for you, but we know that that's simply the case, right? You're not going to have everything work, which is one of the reasons why you have to be strong structurally, why you've got to keep loading up on good selections throughout your draft I kind of like having exposure to these two lions with the extreme upside scenarios. Yeah, no, I like that as well. And um, I do think the other options, like let's say we get a something really works out for us, you know, how the draft's going so far, we might see some of them get pushed down, but I think it'll be a little bit tough. But if we could get one of those wide receivers off the, the CD Lamb, Terry McLaurin mix in there, I think it would make it interesting. But with those guys is their priority for hawkinson over swift or is it swift over hawkinson which way are we are we playing it and the hopes of things uh, going our way well Thomas, we look down the board a little bit one of the things we have to decide is where we're going to make our first sort of zero running backish pick and if we don't have swift we might take it a little bit earlier one of the guys who is on the zero rb list did come out the the final portion today so you can get that at Rotoviz is Trey Sermon. He's someone who is going in the middle of round six. He probably will be available to us in round six. 
do we feel comfortable selecting him and hoping that a wide receiver comes back to us in round seven? Or do we prefer to select LaVisca, Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, someone like that? Now, when we look at some of the the later targets, we have in that round nine range, Zach Moss, James Conner, Ronald Jones, wrapping back around, Tony Pollard. And so we know we're probably going to take a running back there. Although we do have a wide receiver in Will Fuller, who is almost an auto pick for us in round 10. So kind of that balance, you know, do we want the receiver in round six who's a little bit of a reach or do we want to take the running back there? And instead of sort of uh, building guys who are more backups in round 10, looking to make sure we get Will Fuller, maybe an Elijah Moore, uh, Rondell Moore in the last day. And so we're just, we have more than a hundred drafts from like the last 48 hours. So looking at that, Rondell has not come back to round 11. That's something we have to take into consideration, but Henry Rugg is likely to be there. Having guys in round 10 and 11 with the wide receivers who are priority picks. I mean, the wide receivers in that range are not really that appealing, but you only have to have, you know, one guy. And so I think we do have one guy in both of those spots. How does that inform what we want to do really already this early? I think if we have an option for Swift, I I do think he's really, really interesting there. I think then... I know a couple other guys that are on the list of the likes, uh, you know, we've drafted him a good bit this offseason, Javante Williams, for example. I think there's certain points that if we pass on those, we just continue to get later and later. Um, there's a lot of guys in that round, say, let's say 8 through 11 at the running back position that I, I like to get. But I think in this situation, it would be nice to get one of those guys in those first, you know, five, six picks um, to, to give us that little bit of a, a stability as well at the running back position um, in, in this particular format. I think all the players that you've mentioned there, you know, I, I like them all. If we have a situation where the opportunity is going to present itself here to get the likes of Swift, if we miss out, then we can can readjust it. Um, but looking ahead, I think we have a lot of options in these first 10 rounds that we like at, at both positions. I think we'll be in a pretty pretty strong strong spot all around. The, the thing with the Niners, you touched on it with Kittle. We've talked about it with the likes of Debo Samuel um, and the running back position. It's hard to know where exactly it's going to go, but there's going to be a lot of volume and there's going to be a lot of points scored by this offense. And then obviously we're still having questions around the, the definite situation at the quarterbacks, but the 49ers are going to be really good on offense. Kyle Shanahan's going to have them in a really strong position with his play call. And I think that's going to have them pretty much been very efficient and quite high scoring and i think their defense is going to take a step back from what it has been um over the last kind of three or four years and i think that's going to make them have to put up some more points i don't think it's going to take a massive step back but i think that'll help with the offensive production so i'm excited if we do go the route of getting those 49ers on board but i am intrigued to see how the draft is going so far it has been more running back heavy but just about we do have three tight ends off the board and kelsey waller and kittle as you would expect and um, so it is going to be interesting because the next tight end that does come off the board um will be at hawkinson so i think probably sean if we're playing it i think we go are, how, how strong are you going with the injury news on swift are we taking swift at that third round pick if the options there or are we taking that tight end i i really like fant and thomas as well but i do like getting somebody out of that top group or hawkinson and then pairing it with one of the other guys is generally a way that i'm, I'm playing it um how strong do you feel about the lion yeah i mean hawkinson is going to have a monster season right so we 
we definitely want him here. At the same time, you know, if we miss, then Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, those are a couple of the guys who are very, very high on the priority as well. So I don't think that we can go wrong here. I, I do think that the... I think that the Swift uh, and Hawkinson's gone off the board <laughs> at the, the 307. I was going to say, I think Hawkinson or Swift is probably the, the target in the third. And then that gives you the option on the way back to get the likes off, you know, uh, DJ Moore or Chris Godwin. I love Moore. Again, the Panthers having that bye week makes it a little bit interesting if it's him or Godwin. In most formats, I'm picking more over Godwin, but it'll be interesting here. Uh, tight end, then Kyle Pitts has gone off the board. It's a fifth tight end at the 308. So we are on the board, Sean. How do we feel about that Swift pick? Yeah, let's go with Swift here. And we're looking at Godwin more. And I think J.K. Dobbins coming back in round four. A Swift Dobbins start would be very interesting. And those guys uh, just have a lot more upside, really, than their price indicates. I mean, J.K. Dobbins should be going at a similar price to Nick Chubb. And so we could do that, and then we have a ton of flexibility with the wide receivers as we go through to load up on them. We wouldn't necessarily make, need to make that deviation in round six. Um, the more situation with the buy in week 13 and just how much more we already have. Now, this is our first main event together. You know, We don't want to move off of our favorite guys in this format, obviously. And yet, at the same time, uh, I, I want to make sure we're in the best position to win that championship and uh terrace marshall as well continues to look fantastic that may cut into more a little bit more than i was expecting one of the things with curtis samuel leaving it really helps more uh talking with ben gretch obviously the coast with stealing bananas and a dj Moore fanatic uh he's been excited about how the offense looks they look better in the preseason game that just played yesterday sam darnold looked okay you know not a disaster which i think is all you're really hoping for from darnold and the, the whole mix works better with marshall instead of curtis samuel who is really a little bit of a a forced target guy a manufactured touches player who didn't necessarily help the offense marshall may do more at the same time it may cut a little bit more into uh, dj's targets than you know we were hoping so anyway we have more goes off here at the 312, we don't have to worry about him. Colin, I know that you are a little bit concerned about Dobbins, don't necessarily want another running back and don't necessarily want a running back who doesn't catch passes, but when we're looking at winning the $500,000, does it mitigate some of those concerns to think in terms of Dobbins being a guy who during a three-week run in the fantasy playoffs could score you know, seven, eight, nine touchdowns? Yeah, and it's not that I, I'm, I don't like that. I really like Dobbins, and I've always said, I've, since he came into the NFL, that he was for 2021, and we're in 2021, so I think uh, he's ready for for the big time right now. And I think we've seen flashes of it last year. I think we're going to see a better offense this year from the Ravens as well. And uh, another player I'd probably pass into the mix here when we talked about tight end was Mark Andrews. I think um, we'll, we'll see a better season for him as well. We see Higgins go off the board at the 401 quite sure that uh, we have a couple of guys in here sean some people did reply on twitter to say that they were drafting today i didn't give out what time we were drafting that but we have some very uh interesting starts here at the back end of the, the first round may maybe in the road of his builds here that we're we're seeing some things take place i think dobbins could be very very interesting sean as he goes off the board so that wouldn't worked out very well it was a very short conversation i think 
he's in a good spot this year but we have one pick to go and i think if we do manage to get him to us i think chris godwin is a smash here as he makes it back to us uh, i have no concerns have you anyone else i mentioned mark andrews we do have 50 seconds to discuss it i, I think godwin's the pick on, unless you think andrews is somebody to to go strong for yeah i'd like to continue to look to a little bit of the, of the less expensive tight ends, guys who might be able to actually get more volume than Andrews gets. Now, I think that Andrews is going to be a big-time player in a similar situation to Dobbins where that three-week run, you're a little bit less concerned about the overall volume and you're more concerned about these massive efficiency weeks you can get with a player like that in that offense. They tried to add wide receivers, but the Bateman injury – and the Marquise Brown relative no-show has been a situation where uh, we still think that Andrews is going to be a huge part of what they do in that offense. And so Andrews somebody we want, but perhaps not quite at that price with a player like Godwin still available. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We look at some of our targets, Sean, here when we're getting towards the fourth round now, obviously a round and a half. It's nice when we're doing these drafts when we're not picking at the 11 spot of that. I know we're picking at the nine. You get a little bit of time to, to think about the picks between. It's it's not as much pressure. But when we're looking ahead now to the fourth round, uh, we haven't really hit any of the guys that we, we wanted to, to drop all the way. I guess Swift did drop a little bit um, to get to us. Um, I, I'm really happy with how things are playing out so far with the – uh, Jefferson Hill Godwin at wide receiver and then having Swift so you mentioned the running backs and Trey Sermon I mentioned Williams as well 
at this point, unless it becomes a, a value, are we trying to hit those guys where they're currently going by ADP, or are we trying now that we have Swift to really load up on those wide receivers and, and tight ends? And I mentioned the two tight ends. Um, we have talked about them a lot this offseason, but are you looking here in this draft to, to target the likes of Fant and Thomas? Uh, potentially, but not but not as a must-have. We're in a little bit of a dead zone area there. I mean, the, the early sixth, which is where we draft, you know, the 604 is about where you would expect Thomas to go off the board. It's a little bit early for Fant, but you know, with the Bridgewater selection at QB, I think there's going to be more enthusiasm there. So we could go with those guys. LaVisca at this point is not coming back to the 7-9. So if we want him, that's also the range that we would have to consider. So we have some potentially dynamic plays at that spot. Uh, column, you know, when you contrast Chenault, when you contrast Sermon and the upside that they potentially bring with Thomas and Fant, uh, where are you at this point? I, I think that there are some plays a little bit later on at tight end that are interesting. You know, we have the Cole Komet, we have the Irv Smith. You can go with someone like uh, Mike Kosicki or Robert Tunyon if they drop a little bit. You can even go with Blake Jarwin very late because of that Thursday game. And so there are some other ways to play it. If we, you know, pass on a Trey Sermon, for example, you know, you probably don't have that massive upside uh, later at that position. Having said that, obviously, we just went through the 15s here running back targets. We have a lot of guys that we do like overall. Yeah. No, there is other guys that I like, but I think what we're really going to see here is just depending on how the, the draft plays out if we go for the likes of Sermon, if we go for Williams, and it sounds like um, they are going to be quite quite good discussions to see where we land on those. Um, Chenault is starting to really go up in value. Um, we've mentioned the times, you know, where we could get him in the ninth round and then he was in the eighth round and then he was in the seventh round. I remember back maybe two months ago, we were having the conversation that I was taking Chark over Chenault when there was a round and a half difference in Chark's favor. And, and now obviously that is flipped, but we're getting to a point now where, <laughs> you're having to really go and get him and i think depending on your build that can work out and um, we've talked about it if he is the you know fourth fifth wide receiver that puts you in a, a great spot and we will have the option to do that rather than be your wide receiver one if you've started off with a heavy approach at the running back position so again we'll see but i think at the current price that we're starting to see chenault at it's getting really really expensive so i know in most drafts i'm the one who says let's take chenault we'll we'll see how it's it's playing out here but i think um Based on the ADP at the moment, he's not really going to be there first in the seventh, and I don't know if we'll we'll pull that trigger um, in the early sixth. So we're coming up; we're five picks away um, from when we'll be selecting. So we do still have a number of uh, targets available. Quite surprised, Sean, that um, we still have a situation where oh, well, he just went off the board. Mike Evans has gone off the board at the five oh three, quite a bit after where we would kind of tend to see him uh, come off the board. So I think that was a strong value there. Who, who are we hoping we have in the queue? Branton Ayuk at the moment. We have Jerry Judy. We have Chase Claypool. We also have Kyler Murray. So we haven't had a discussion yet about the quarterback position. Uh, we have Jackson off the board. We have Josh Allen off the board. We have Patrick Holmes off the board. We had a lot of fun last year having Kyler Murray as our quarterback in a, a couple of our, our season-long lineups. Um, how much of a consideration is, is he if he makes it to 509? I don't think that the 509, unless both Ayuk and Judy are gone, which is very possible. At the same time, 
there are a lot of late guys this year where last year that wasn't the case in quite the same way. And so, you know, you have the Trey Lance, you have the Justin Fields, being able to pair them with a Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think is very compelling. Joe Burrow is very inexpensive. We have a ton of him, but I think that it still makes sense to go that direction. You know, if you go Burrow and Fitzpatrick, then again, you're in the situation where you have uh, the veteran play who I expect to absolutely annihilate ADP and you have the second year coming off of injury play for Burrow where I think that Burrow has a chance over the second half of the season to be the overall QB one. Now, will he be the favorite? Obviously not because you have guys like Mahomes and Murray and Jackson and Allen who uh, are so clearly there with the math, with the massive upside Burrow with those three wide receivers by the second half of the season with him being a little bit healthier. I just think it gets very difficult to uh, look at him and not see the upside there. Now, Ayuk and Judy both do go off the board. Now suddenly we're a little bit thinner, and, and this isn't unexpected, right? But we're a little bit thinner as we come up to the 509. We have Murray, we have Claypool, we have Thomas, Sermon. This could be a situation where we just decide to go Sermon and Chenault a little bit early, or we could take one of those guys and then get one of those tight ends. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. I didn't think Ayuk or Judy would get back to this, but uh, the hope was there. Yeah, so we have kind of in our mix at the moment. We have um, Claypool, Kyler Murray, Trey Sermon, as you mentioned, um, and then uh, I think we. I, I think it's one of those that we would take, and then we would wait to get back. I think uh, with Claypool going off the board now, we have one pick to go. We'll see what happens. Jamar Chase has gone off, so we are back on the clock. Realistically, for me, the selection is between Murray, Thomas, and Sermon. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of options later to go quarterback unless we want to get one of those real top-tier guys in Murray. So I'm happy to go Sermon here if that's the way you want to go. Um, I'm also happy to go Murray or Thomas. Yeah, let's at least play it out here to see what we get at the the quarterback position much, much later. We we talk about the quarterbacks later. That is going to be in the range with some of our zero RB targets that we want. So, you know, even once it gets to be a lot less expensive, then there is a cost. But – We'll go Sermon here, give us our the second you know, big upside potential at running back, and then look for Juju Boyd, Smith-Schuster. I mean, <laughs> look for Boyd, Smith-Schuster, or Chanel coming back around. Or if we decide that at that point it is the tight end, we can go that direction. Colin, where are you on the Fant versus Logan Thomas argument at this point? We've had several guys come on ceiling bananas and tell us that Logan Thomas is going to do well. You and I have been big Logan Thomas fans. We think that he can be the next Darren Waller at the same time. When you're looking at Noah Fant there and the potential for him to take another step forward, the Bridgewater selection would seem to be absolutely perfect for him. Yeah, I think it, it's really perfect. I, I, I thought he was going to be in for a big season either way, but I think Bridgewater is going to really help things there for him. And I think this offense, and I know it's Bridgewater and he was with the Panthers last year, I think we'll see some similarities this year where they're going to try and stretch the field a little bit. And I, I don't know if Bridgewater is going to have a huge amount of success doing that, but that's also going to help open things up underneath for Fant. And we've seen what he can do uh, with the yards after the catch. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. I'm very, very excited about Thomas as well. So these are two guys that I've been targeting a huge amount. And it just depends on how things fall in the draft. I've probably drafted them both equally. I'm very excited about each of them. So at this point, Sean, Based on the tight end premium, I would probably lean into 
seeing if Murray potentially comes back, we'll, we can think about that. But I would be probably going later with the quarterback position and I would be taking Thomas or Fant at this point as, as Thomas goes off the board, um, three picks to go before ours. If they're both gone, I think we're into a position where I would be going with Chenault, then Boyd, then Juju. Um, would you have the wide receivers in the same order or slightly different? Run, run the order by me again. Uh, Chenault, Boyd, and then Juju. Yeah, that's the way I would go to. I was looking here. We have a, a team called Freak Score Calculator at the at the turn, and they have gone Waller, Barkley, and then Moore, Higgins, and now Logan Thomas there. So uh, that's a little bit of the danger that you run when we put out the good information on the site. They'll come back to bite you in some of these really high stakes drafts. Uh, unfortunate to, to run up against someone who is drafting almost the identical board that we have in, and it has those picks in between us. But we obviously love having the subscribers, love having the competition. Uh, Colin, the Listener Leagues have been an absolute blast. The Listener League 4 has been even more aggressive than the first three, and you and I have been, again, forced into selecting running backs at like four-round discounts uh, because all the wide receivers are gone. Yeah, and I, there was a question today wondering if I had ever drafted more running backs than wide receivers in the first ten rounds before we had. I think I think we have five running back or five running backs and four wide receivers. But as you mentioned, the, there are positions where we just cannot walk past them. Um, the the listeners are are drafting very sharp in those drafts, so it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. But they've definitely put us under a little bit of pressure in those. Um, we are, Sean, um, getting to one pick away from our draft. Murray has gone off the board. Um, Boyd has now gone off the board. For me, I would be leaning towards Fant here. Um, I mentioned earlier about, about Visca. I think this is a little bit too early to go that way. So my pick for wide receiver would be uh, Chenault. My pick for tight end would be Fant. Okay, yeah, let's go with Fant here. One of the things with Chenault is he has that week seven by. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to... We love that week seven by. It's wonderful. Wonderful. And so, you know, it gives us a little bit more flexibility to not have that buy in there. The week 11 buy for Fant is not one that we're going to have as many issues with. Uh, if Fant is able to take the next step in that offense, then he's an absolute league winner for us. Chanel probably doesn't have the same kind of positional advantage that Fant might end up giving us and so we have that and also a situation where now we have a little bit more flexibility as we go through it we don't have to force a tight end in at a later spot it's really hard to give up Chanel but we do have some other wide receivers that we like Colin the 7-8 range is a little bit more of a flat gross area for us what are you starting to look at for that turn I think that's the area where we usually will see a lot of the, the the quarterbacks go off the board. So my first question to you is going to be the quarterbacks in that range tend to be Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Um, then we get into the likes of um, Justin Herbert. I'm, I'm thinking we just we bypass all of that um, and lock in a different position. I just want to check before I go into <laughs> the rest of my thoughts. Any of those quarterbacks that are of interest or are we just looking somewhere else? No, I don't think there's any interest yeah. there. No, I just wanted to make sure. So that, that bypasses that part of the conversation. Uh, looking ahead then, I really like Dylan. Dylan's made your zero RB list as well. We have two running backs. With the two running back builds so far, are we looking to 
bypass the running back position or are we looking to see if we can build on that strength at this point? Well, it's a little bit of a matter of, of where the values are, right? So we have our tiers that we're working with today. We're through now in to tier five. Actually, as I say, the last tier five player does go off the board. We're into tier six. And so one of the tricky elements here is that, you know, we have Irv Smith. He's someone we don't necessarily need at this point. The next wide receivers that I have are Debo, who does go right about in that range. And then Will Fuller, who should be available on the full next turns around for us. There are some names like Mike Gesicki, Dallas Goddard, players who are down sort of into the tier seven. So it's a little bit of deciding how late we can wait on Fuller. Does it create a situation where we wait too long? Does it get kind of claustrophobic there with the quarterbacks that we're looking at a little bit later? Who are some of the other running backs that you want to get in that sort of 9-10 range? I mean, the 7-8 the is gross. The 9-10 is a lot more fun. You know, you have potentially Moss, Gasicki, Connor, Ronald Jones, uh, Jarvis Landry, who's undervalued, then Tony Pollard, Sonny Michelle, Will Fuller. I mean, if, if this were a trading draft, obviously we would kind of trade, trade down and get a little bit more value back by being able to target some guys in that area. Yeah, I feel kind of that I would be leaning towards maybe one of uh, the, the running back that I, and the running back I'd be looking for there would be AJ Dillon. I'm happy to bypass that. Most of the running backs that we're going to like are going to be in the next round. And you mentioned Ronald Jones, uh, James Connors there as well. I would be interested in this range and possibly getting one of the, the running backs there that we mentioned and either um, I, would, I would be quite interested depending on if it falls for Herb Smith or Mike Gusecki if either of them lasted to the next pick after that. The other players that I'd be kind of interested in here at this point would be the likes of um, possibly a Jarvis Landry or Debo Samuel if, if they last. The other player who's really skyrocketing up boards at the moment is Corey Davis. Um not really buying it at the current ADP. How, how are you thinking about, about Davis if he would happen to, to last three? Uh, I, I love the fact that Davis is getting this high because I think that it pushes other uh, more appealing targets down. Now, that's not to say that he won't have a good season. Discussed him in the year five breakout article. Uh, the range of outcomes tool at that point gave him a very good chance to outperform ADP, which now uh, everybody has sort of tumbled to with the good preseason games, and he's risen into an area where now it's going to be more challenging to beat that. So I like him rising because it pushes Elijah Moore down. I think Moore is still going to be the guy, especially for the second half of the season. Another kind of question about the second half of the season element column, we know that we're going to have a lot of wide receivers. Michael Thomas, someone who is a very possible guy to come back uh, into – that 804 range and when i see him there then even if he misses the first six weeks they have a week six bye right so they hold him out through then with Jameis winston looking so good with callaway looking good with you know having an alan Kamara and the explosiveness that the talent on that offense gives you i'm a little bit surprised that people are now so low on michael thomas uh, I mean, he's sort of going in this range 
where AJ Green was often going. And I mean, AJ Green was much older. We had known he hadn't been good for a long time. He had a terrible attitude. And Michael Thomas, there's definitely this attitude question. But even last year when he was playing injured, uh, when he came back, I mean, Target Hog looked good. He's one of those guys where if you take him in round eight and you don't need to start him for the first six weeks because you are very heavy at wide receiver, then when you're talking about winning the half a million dollars, it's one of those questions of, you know, is someone like a Michael Thomas not going to fit into your lineup? It may be that he doesn't, right? But in round eight, and especially with round eight being a little bit of a dead area, I guess it seems to me like, you know, almost a win-win. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think what's happened with Thomas is a combination of the uncertainty around the quarterback for so long, the retirement, obviously, of Drew Brees, the injury, then what's happened with the injury, the fallout with kind of, it seems to be with him and Sean Payton a little bit. And I think all that, let's just say they made a big soup out of it all, and that's really affected the, the perception with him. I also think, you know, if it's a case where you're drafting somebody and you think, oh, he's not going to be there for the first six weeks, I think that's obviously going to play into people's mind as well. And I think if we have the mindset of we have the wide receivers we need for those first six weeks and we get him back in week seven when uh, just clicking into my head now the dread at week seven by he could be the perfect uh, fill-in spot for the, the week seven by but I, I think it's gonna be quite interesting the other thing sean as we wait and i, I do think that thomas samuel and uh, this other player that's still there i'm nearly afraid to say his name chenault is still on the board at this point we are five picks away i have no expectation that he's going to get back to us but uh, going a little bit later than than i would have expected anyway i'm quite interested after um you talking through thomas there um haven't drafted him a huge amount um but i think that that could be quite interesting i'm i'm quite a lot more excited for this saints offense now that that uh, we have a situation where winston is the quarterback I, I always thought that would be more beneficial um to the offense i think it's going to be a lot more of your kind of regular nfl offense i guess we'll call it at this point but um those three guys are there um Irv smith is there we have that tight end already Irv smith will be a nice person to to get to add into that but i think we go for one of those three wide receivers yeah what are your thoughts on so will fuller is, is a target and we wouldn't necessarily want to be too overweight on the miami offense especially when you consider that they have that week 14 by they have a, a quarterback who is trying to emerge and you're in this situation where Mike Kosicki might also be an option, but Jalen Waddle has absolutely blown up their training camp. Unlike Fuller, he's going to be there for week one. He has a chance to really put his stamp on that offense right off the bat. Is he someone in round eight? Before we do that, Colin, Debo seems like the pretty easy choice here in, in round seven with the seven and nine. Yeah, I like Samuel here. Unless you unless you want to rev up the Michael Thomas engine, but let's see if he gets back to us. Let's go for, for Debo here. Yeah, so I think it's, it's still interesting. Unfortunately for the, the listeners listening, Chenault did go at the 706, uh, a couple of spots before us. Another person I was going to mention, but he went at the 707, was Branton Cooks. I think just based on how that offense is probably going to run this year, I think he's going to be in quite an interesting position. Um, but now in our queue, we do have Thomas, we do have Smith, and Waddle has just gone. So I guess we'll touch on the, the conversation, Sean, but I think Waddle's going to be very, very interesting as moving up boards at the moment. Um, but I still think that Fowler would be my target between the two of them. So I still think we're in the, the position that we want to be in. Would yeah, you they been- mothballed Fuller in order to make sure that he was ready for the season. I don't get the impression that there is a lot of concern about 
the injury, I think not being able to play in week one made it easier for them too to hold back a little bit because they don't have to get him ready for that first game. It is something where with him being a new guy in the offense, you would like for him to be able to have had this training camp with the quarterback so he could come out all guns blazing like we saw from Diggs, like we saw from Hopkins last season. I don't think people are putting Fuller in that conversation as being that kind of talent. He's probably not quite to that level, but he is in the next tier down, which you know, unfortunately for him is not the perception. He wasn't able to get the free agent contract uh, that he was probably deserving of, but that is something that's going to happen to you when you have that suspension and the injury things in your background. Call him another player who uh, is coming to us here with an injury is DJ Chark. You know, you continue to hear that he'll be ready for week one. It seems like we're getting a pretty big discount on a guy for whom things haven't really changed, right? He just isn't practicing right now. Yeah, and Chark was somebody we were massively uh, on board with this time last season um, after his second year performance. So uh, he is somebody as well that's, that is very, very interesting. He is one of the dreaded week seven buys. We have only one player with that buy, so we're quite happy to, to be able to take him. The other player I would pitch for here is somebody who's in, in that tier is Irv Smith. Are we waiting, um, holding off on tight end, or are we going to lock it up? I know, I, I think we we hold off. We look to get Komet a little bit later, if possible. That's what I think as well. Komet really is someone that I want on almost every team. And I'd like Fairmouth at the very end. He's somebody who probably will replace with a free agent pickup after week one, after week two. But we get to see him a little bit more in a real game, and we have – a name that I think is interesting for these last couple rounds, which the last couple rounds you know, do get a little bit trickier in terms of finding people that you think have any potential value at all. Now, you know, after week one, we'll have plenty of guys where you look at it and say, okay, well, you know, these guys were no brainers. Why didn't they get drafted? You know, should we bid 500, 600 for them? And so you look back and like, how did I not make that pick at the same time with the information we're currently uh, we have currently available to us, those picks are a little bit trickier. And, and I think there are some names at tight end that we can use to kind of round out the draft. So Colin, we're now one pick away. Thomas or Smith, DJ Chark, all there. AJ Dillon is also there. We talked a little bit before about the fact that your Green Bay Packers have that week 13 by a little bit less of an issue, perhaps for someone we're not counting on as a starter. And yet at the same time, if Dylan does what we expect, then, you know, you're going to be sad. You don't have him in that game. It's also a situation I think where we have a couple of running backs already. There might be less incentive to, I wouldn't call it a reach, but I feel more comfortable with him sort of in the ninth round. I know that he's going a little bit ahead of that at this point. So, you know, if you want him, you're going to have to get some exposure here. Where are you thinking wide receiver relative to running back? We do know that James Conner, someone we were looking at in round nine or round 10 has already been selected. So, you know, there are some guys that we won't necessarily have a chance to draft later. Yeah, I probably would lean with Connor being gone. I'd probably lean towards Dylan. Uh, you mentioned Shark. I'm not against that pick. You mentioned Michael Thomas earlier as well. I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to go with the wide receiver over the running back, but I think Dylan might be the, the pick here unless you want to go for Shark or Thomas. Okay, well, we'll do AJ Dylan. I just think, like, with the likes of uh, Connor being off the board, I think that puts more value into Dylan there. I'd have been looking to get Connor, you know, in the next wraparound um, with him being gone. I think it just limits some of those options. And 
while uh, there's a good chance that we will have the likes of Jamal, or sorry, the Ronald Jones there at that point, we're going to be in a situation where if they go, then I know we have our two running backs, but a lot of our favorite guys there. So I think now we'll end up bypassing those options in the 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 next two rounds to get some more wide receivers. I think that's where we'll we'll see that. The next question I have for you, Sean, is the uh, obviously the wide receivers we're hoping to get here are going to be probably the likes of Landry Fuller, the two Moors, uh, and Elijah and Rondell. Is that kind of where we're we're looking to lean here? And are we starting to get to a point? You know, are we are we looking to the eleventh, twelfth round before we're starting to to look at the the QB position? Yeah. So in the last couple of days, Lance in round eleven, Fields and Burrow in round twelve. I think the round twelve is where we have to grab one of those guys. We have too many high value players ahead of that. Although Henry Ruggs could also be there in round twelve, in which case I don't think that you necessarily have put yourself out of wider's or I don't think that you've taken QB upside completely off the board if you end up using your late picks at quarterback, which quarterback is a position you can still get there late when there are a lot of options at other positions. So you could even take three guys, take a Baker Mayfield who really emerged at the end of last season and uh, did that with a Cleveland Browns team that went from extremely run heavy to actually fairly pass heavy in the second half. They'll have Odell Beckham back. We could see a big breakout from him. You could put him with a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I've said uh, is going to be a top 10 QB. Fitzpatrick likely to light it up with the weapons he has at his disposal. I think the only question for me there is, you know, how good is that Washington defense? Will they not actually be passing in the second half? And then Zach Wilson has really come on as of late, has a little bit of sort of stealth rushing upside. And, you know, if we like Corey Davis, if we like Elijah Moore, if we think that Jets defense probably still has a ways to go, then he could be the quarterback who comes out and is this year's Justin Herbert. And obviously, if you're doing that in round 19, then you don't have to be right. Whereas even in rounds 11 and 12 with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, you know, you, you kind of need to be right. So, you know, you use a pick in that range. They don't start. Uh, maybe they are a package players for half the season. I don't necessarily anticipate that. They've just been so good. Their teams are going to want to go to them. But, you know, there are some reasons or some scenarios in which you could be wrong there. And if a Henry Ruggs is on the board or Rondell Moore is on the board, then, you know, those are tricky conversations. So, Sean, we are just at the last pick now of the eighth round. Jarvis Landry has gone off the board at the 8-11. Elijah Moore, who I mentioned, uh, has gone off the board at the 8-12. Uh, the draft is starting to, to play out quite interestingly here overall. And we always talk about the team number one possibly throwing things away because they're getting Christian McCaffrey. But it doesn't look like in the situation that is what they are going to do. They've got A.J. Brown, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, Javante Williams, Devontae Smith, Antonio Brown, Elijah Moore, and then Air Smith. So it doesn't look like, uh, unfortunately, they're they're throwing this one away just yet. I've been in a few drafts where after the draft, I'm quite confident the number one team may have messed things up, but uh, they're in a pretty solid spot so far. Um, going to be interesting to see how the draft plays out overall. Just to do a quick rundown as to how things have played out thus far, we do have Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Swift, Chris Godwin, Trey Sermon, Noah Fant, Debo Samuel and AJ Dillon. 
we will pick up the rest of the draft a little bit later we're going to split this into a couple of parts so we're going to put a pen in it there for today's show as always thank you for listening in drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that greatly if you want to get yourself a 10 percent discount to a road of his nfl pass now is the perfect time before the nfl season all you have to do is add the code rb radio 2021 at checkout save yourself that 10 percent or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out his great work up on rotaviz.com, including the Zero RB article. But until we're back with the next edition, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.